the emotional justification, like I like this person, then you'll justify logically all day long with numbers and stats. But it comes down to, do I like and feel good about this relationship? And if you do, then you'll run through walls for that person and be loyal or refer business. If you don't, then you might transact, but you're not necessarily going to be all in on that relationship. Plug into the minds of the world's cutting-edge innovators, visionaries, and thought leaders who are rewriting the rules of sales and success. It's your time to make an impact. I am your host, Jason Mark Campbell, and this is the Selling with Love podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to the Selling with Love podcast. This is your host, Jason Mark Campbell. Very, very excited to have someone which the story of us connecting actually comes from a referral. It comes from a person that we both highly, highly appreciate as a friend, is a person that's been on the show twice or three times at this point, Cameron Harold. And it actually touches a little bit about what we're going to be discussing today, which is how do you get referrals? How do you get connections? How do you get clients that are so excited about doing business with you using maybe not something that was part of your marketing mix? You might be assuming you got to run better ads, landing page conversions, maybe having a better way of closing the deal. But what do gifts have to do in the equation of making you radically successful? Well, I have the one and only John Rulin joining me, founder of The Rulin Group and the man who has written the book, Giftology, best-selling book about the art and science of using gifts to cut through the noise, increase your referrals, and of course, strengthen retention, get attention as well. We're trying to get attention in a noisy world, and what can we do with gifts to make that a little more effective? If you're not familiar with John and all of the work that he's done consulting Fortune 500 companies, working at publishing his book and getting into hounds of thousands, the man also holds a very, very powerful record by the age of 23 being the number one salesperson as the company Cutco Direct Sales Organization. We'll dig a bit more into that as well. And if you do have a set of Cutco knives like my mother does and always gets them sharpened and I've always knew that you need quality knives, that actually started from that organization and John played a part in putting that in people's hands as well. John, welcome to the show. Jason, man, this has been a long time coming. So thanks for making this grace. We were laughing. I think it's been a year in the process, but like, you know, we got connected and then we're trying to, you know, do time zone. I think you mentioned your newly father or you got a couple kids there that keep you busy as well? Four girls. So not new, but they're y'all young. So from 13 down to three, we bought a 48 year farm. So between the farm and speaking and travel and businesses and wife and kids, like life, like a lot of us is full. Yeah. And I know we're like in different time zones. I'm calling you for Southeast Asia. You must be in the Midwest. Where are you at? Yeah. Yeah. I'm central. So yeah, middle of the country, south side of St. Louis. So 7 a.m. There's very few people I'd get up to do a podcast for and leave the house early. And you're one of them. So thanks for making space. And Well, I'm grateful, but I also know everybody else is tuning in or in for a treat and they're quite grateful you've done that for us too. So I'll kick it off with my standard question, John. You're on a Selling with Love podcast. So what do you sell today? Yeah. I mean, people think we're in the gifting business as a giftology, but nobody really cares about gifts. What they care about is depth and connection with relationships. Because relationships make every business rise and fall. Even if you're a sales rep, it's relationship with your clients or your referral sources or center of influence, or you take any industry, even technology, like company like Google, what do they have? 80,000 people. And so we sell the ability to connect deeper and get access to relationships, which sounds a little woo-woo until you realize, holy crap, yeah, if people don't like and trust me, then there's not a whole lot of selling going on. 
Well, today more than ever, because it seems like trust is eroding across the world, whether it's like government institutions, private sector, even NGOs, we don't trust each other anymore. And it seems like every time someone comes up with something to offer, even especially if it's free or a gift, kind of the red flags comes up. So like, what's going on? Is this a newer trend or have we always been kind of hardwired that way? Well, I think that most people, a gift by its very nature is kind of unique and different. Like it's an act of, you know, generosity. It's an act of kindness. I think the reason people have, you know, red flags go up is because what's taking place most of the time is not a gift. It's a manipulation. Like if you're giving a gift with strings attached, if you're giving a gift or doing anything for anybody for that matter, it doesn't have to be a gift. I mean, if you look at a mentor of mine and you're probably familiar with the book, Five Love Languages, Gary Chapman, this sold 22 million copies. It's a Christian marriage book, but the core of it really applies to all relationships. And the act of love could come as a physical gift. It could come as a favor or an act of service. It could come as a physical touch. And what I think that most people don't understand is if you give something to somebody and you expect something in return, you weren't giving a gift. That was a bribe, it was a manipulation. And so how do you know if you're giving a gift or a bribe? Are you pissed off when you give something to somebody? And whether that's your wife, if you give your wife something, your husband something, and you expect something that night, it wasn't a gift. And so I think a lot of times people confuse and that's the reason that there's red flags. That's the reason there's all these rules. And what I love about it is people are horrible at it or they're afraid of it. And so they don't do it at all, or they do it so mediocre. It actually does damage. It's like, Hey, I have this billion dollar client or a million dollar client or $50,000 client. And you do something for them. That's like, Hey, I did a million dollars with you. Here's a box of peanut brittle at Christmas. Like makes me gag, right? It's like, does that show the value of the relationship? No, it's like a check the box. It's mediocre at best. And so I think this is an area of business that people just avoid because they are afraid of it. They don't understand it. And they don't like how it feels to be manipulated. So they assume all gifting, all generosity is that way. And when you do it the right way, though, it feels amazing for both parties because it really is an act of generosity and kindness and it does deepen the relationship and it does inspire. We want more referrals, more revenue, more retention, more loyalty that comes based upon how a relationship feels about you. The emotional justification, like I like this person, then you'll justify logically all day long with numbers and stats, but it comes down to, do I like and feel good about this relationship? And if you do, then you'll run through walls for that person and be loyal or refer business. If you don't, then you might transact, but you're not necessarily going to be all in on that relationship. And I know we're going to get into a bit of the things we need to pay attention to from the book, because I know that's basically everything that we need to pay attention to to get success with Giftology. But I'm very curious, like with the title that seems to be like, wow, if I apply this technique that John speaks about, I can be more manipulative. I can get more of what I want. So I'm curious if you've attracted kind of a negative avatar that came into buying the book. And then you basically had to like, okay, let's rewire you because you need to look at this differently. <laughs> yeah. Ironically, no. I would say we've attracted other givers. I think what I didn't realize early on, I've been doing this 23 years for from you know solo man, financial advisors, insurance companies, like small shops all the way to Fortune 500. Who you are as a person, who you're being is part of the gift. So if you're a douchebag and you give great gifts, you're just amplifying the fact that you're a douchebag. Because people can read between the lines and they can tell when they're being manipulated. And so I think that, you know, one of my favorite books is Give and Take, Adam Grant's book. 
I think that we've attracted other givers in general, people that they're already a giver. They're already generous. They just never thought about applying generosity and gifting physical gifts in a business sense. They might do that for their kids or their charity or their church or their home life, but they probably avoided doing it in business because they didn't want to look like somebody bribing somebody or whatever else. So I think in general, you know, like we don't have a high collections rate or not, we're not dealing with D bags. I think we were able to smell them out, but in general, like we're telling people to play the long game. I'm telling people to like, you think you're playing the long game? Like your long game is like three days, not three years where, you know, your long game is like 13 days, not 13 years. And a lot of our best clients have took six or seven years to land, you know, the Cubs, DR Orton, the largest homeboater in the country. Most people, if they're using this manipulative, they're going to give to get, and they're going to try to like manhandle somebody down to the ground. It doesn't work if you really want the bigger deals. And so, no, I've been fortunate. Uh, maybe it's God's grace or whether it's luck. I don't know. But no, we don't tend to, attract. I mean, we have some of the, the D bags, but I would say it's one out of a hundred. Most of the people that are coming to us are actually people that are thoughtful and they want to be even more thoughtful at scale. And that's why they're hiring our agencies. It's not that they can't do it. It's that they can't handle doing it for hundreds or thousands of people. Yeah. Well, I mean, like I said, when you get into the book, you obviously are talking about long-term, you have to like give without the strings attached and it requires a certain mindset to even consider doing that. Maybe if the book was called like bribology, you would have attracted a lot more demons. <laughs> but, you know, coming across with gifts, right? So I'm very curious because if you're going to play the long game, you kind of have to have your bases set up to even consider it. Or maybe I'm making a false assumption because for someone to be able to even consider a long-term game needs to have kind of their house in order in the short term to even consider, okay, is this going to be part of my investment strategy? So do you feel like there's prerequisites for people to even apply this methodology? Yeah. Well, I would say that they need to have their core parts of their business. Like if their service sucks, if their product sucks, if they're just getting started, Although I have guys that are in college that are like, you know, leveraging this with, with their professors and some of their mentors. So people are like, oh, John, that's really nice for you to do that or some established company, but you know, it must be nice, but I don't have the money to do it. I'm like, if you take all the money you'd spend on dinners and, you know, buying rounds of beers and, you know, like everybody has resources. They're just not deploying it this way. Like I started out when I was in college 23 years ago, I budgeted $500 a month to do this. And it would allow me to buy two, approximately two gifts that were like $250 each per month. So when people say, I can't do this, I'm like, that's BS. You may choose not to, you may want to deploy your capital differently out of survival or whatever, but anybody can do it. But I do think that if you have a client or an employee or whatever else that you're like engaged with, there's a certain baseline of like customer service, like just answer your phone before you start giving me nice gifts or, Hey, just follow through on the service agreement that you committed to. Like, so there is a baseline of like, if you don't have your foundation in place, then don't try to like buy your way out of it with giftology. But if you have a, a, a good business that's been going for three, five, seven years, and you're doing a million, two million in revenue, so you're an EO qualified company, if you're familiar with that group, then you probably have, you know, four or five employees. You probably have a few dozen clients. You have people that matter to you. You have relationships that matter. And if you have a baseline of service and product quality, then this is the cherry on top of the Sunday that can tip somebody being like, wow, I already like those guys and gals, but they didn't have to do that. They're already really good. I really like them. But this is where like all of a sudden, like people are like, holy crap. It's like when you go to a, 
restaurant, you might drop $500 at the restaurant because it's your favorite restaurant and food and wine and steaks and whatever. And then they, they remember that your wife likes a certain kind of chocolate and they surprise you with like a special dessert. It doesn't matter that you spend $500. All you're going to talk about is it probably costs them two bucks to make that dessert. But that becomes the little like linchpin that makes them brag and talk about you for the next five years, right? It's that little moment where you're like, wow, these guys get it. They get me, they get my wife. And so all we're talking about is like, how are you memorable? How do you like put the odds in your favor and make somebody say, holy crap, they got everything dialed in and they did something they didn't even have to do. That becomes the braggable story that, you know, gets told a hundred times, not the steak that was 80 bucks, not the bottle of wine for 200 bucks. It was that moment where they're like, dang, these guys got it dialed in. I love that the book itself talks about the fact that it's an art and a science. And I'm going to go on a limb and make an assumption here. You're not talking about giving $5 gift cards or Amazon cards to every single customer in just a thank you Christmas type of <laughs> standardized approach. Although I feel like maybe that's an assumption that could be done, but the art of giving the right gift and to make that impression, you spoke about personalization, like paying attention to the wife and the chocolate. Like there's definitely something that almost seems like counterintuitive to just wanting to scale it and do it standardized. So I'd love to hear more about like, what do we have to do to make this kind of an artful calculated move? Yeah. Well, yeah, it is art and science. Part of the art is you're dealing with humans, right? So there's emotional baggage and perceptions and all these things. So there's no like cookie cutter. You do this in a hundred percent of the time. Like I talk about in the book, like I could give out 500 Ferraris to my top 500 relationships. And at least five people would come back and be like, I'm pissed because you sent me a red one and I want a yellow one. Like it doesn't matter what you do. And so most people take that negative feedback and say, well, I'm not going to do anything they focus on the bad response or the pushback or the, you know, what are you trying to buy my loyalty? And so they don't understand that like when you're pushing the envelope and doing something unusual and different in business, especially around this topic that's so weird and awkward and could be misperceived, there's going to be pushback. Nobody bats a thousand with our best things that we're sending people. But I tell people all the time, like in baseball, like if you hit, you know, 400, like you're in the hall of fame, even 350. So if I'm like, if I can bat eight out of 10, if I can get 80% of the people that I'm engaging with and our clients are taking care of their employees or clients, if 80% of the people are loving it, I don't really care about the other 20% because it's not like I'm a miss means I'm like killing somebody or killing kittens. Like a miss means the gift didn't land perfectly. You know, maybe their kid was sick or maybe they're going through a divorce or like you just never know people's mental state when you're doing this at scale. And so I think that there's, elements of art to it, but there is scalability to it. Like going back to my Cutco days, which to this day, ironically enough, on the agency side, if you ask, like we got interviewed by the New York Times recently and they're like, what's the hot new sexy gift? And I said, we sell more of the knives, the stupid knives in 2023 than we have ever sold. And they're like, I thought that was the college kid thing. And I said, well, when I'm trying to scale thoughtfulness, let's say I have a thousand employees. What are some of the common things amongst those employees? Well, what percentage of them are married? Well, in a lot of our clients, a lot of them are married. So they have a significant other. How many of them live in homes? Okay, probably all of them. How many of them, when they gather together, what do they do? They break bread with their loved ones, whether that's alcohol or no alcohol. There's some sort of food, some sort of drink. Like you think about the things, especially after COVID, what do we long for? We long to break bread with our loved ones. 
where we do that in the kitchen is still the hub of the home. And so a stupid knife or a $10,000 set of knives that is engraved with somebody's family name and their core values and their mission statement, I could send that. And we have clients that have 1,200 employees and we'll send a knife set to all of them. And based upon the handwritten note that comes from the owner or the CEO or the VP of sales or whoever, the fact that it's personalized with their name and their spouse's name, the fact that it showed up not at Christmas, it showed up at a time of a just because. It wasn't like, hey, we have a record year or it's our 50th anniversary, we'll give you this gift. It's We're giving people gifts as a surprise and delight as a just because. I can take something like the knives or something practical, I call them practical luxuries, as a delivery vehicle, and I can send it out to thousands of people. And a lot of those people, and we have proof even from Google, I had people from Google that received the knives that said, this is the most thoughtful gift I've ever received. And I'm like, you work at Google. You know, like you can't walk five steps without running into a coffee shop or free food. Or they're like, John, this is the first time somebody ever sent us something that was included my family, that didn't have a logo on it, that didn't have an ask, that had a handwritten note. Like these simple things that we take for granted in relationships, the digital is easier or typing the note is easier. Or I don't know the spouse's name. I don't want to do the homework to get that. Or can't we just throw a logo on it? All of those little details determine whether or not something lands and whether it's like, wow, this is the most thoughtful thing. Even a stupid knife can land and be like, wow, as an anchor, as a pillar of like, this person cares about me. Or as soon as you slam a logo on it, it's no longer a gift. It's a uniform or it's a promotional item. And so those little intricacies, people will try to duplicate what we're doing. And I'm like, guys, I gave you the whole recipe. You don't need giftology to do it as an agency for you. But what most people end up doing is giftology-ish. They cut one corner here, they cut one corner there, and then they come back to me like, John, we did it, but we didn't get the response. Like, what the heck? Like, you're lying to us. And I'm like, well, tell me your process. Tell me the recipe. And they'll give me the recipe. And I'm like, you forgot an ingredient. It's like baking bread. You get baked the bread all day long. You break the 100,000 loaves. But if you forget yeast or you forget water, like one ingredient, you don't get bread. Like period, end of story. And so that's where the art element, but the science is matters. Like there are certain rules to follow. And if you don't follow those rules, don't expect the results and the relationships to be deepened. You're just sending crap in the mail. And Amazon's really good at that, but it doesn't pull at somebody's heartstrings. Most of the time it's like, oh, another thing came. Mm. If you're trying to stay focused on getting work done and eating throughout the day is something you think about, have to decide, and you're not sure what to do, and you just wish an option was available where the right meal with all of the specifications you want be available to you, easy to make, under two minutes, well, luckily for you, Factor is available where you have over 35 different options a week to choose from, including options like keto, calorie smart, vegan, and veggie, and you can enjoy over 55 nutrition-packed add-ons to help you make your weekly meal planning even more delicious. So what are you waiting for? You can get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking up for something fast that's upscale option done very easily. It's flexible on your schedule where you can get as much or as little as you need by choosing 6 to 18 meals per week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. No prep necessary. They're 100% ready to heat and eat. So there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup necessary. Head to factormeals.com slash sellingwithlove50 and use code sellingwithlove50 
to get 50% off. That's code SELLINGWITHLOVE50 at factormeals.com slash SELLINGWITHLOVE50, and you'll get 50% off. Not bad. While we're at it, I know you mentioned a couple already. So you have like, don't expect anything in return. Don't make it a uniform. That was a great rule you just shared right there. The timeliness of it is not just because tied to a certain result or it's like a reward for something. You're talking about something that's completely almost like a random. Are those like the hard, hard rules of it or are there the recommendations here? Yeah, those are the hard rules because most of the time people are giving a gift out of expectation or obligation. Hey, it's an anniversary for the company or the person. Hey, you've been here for five years, 10 years, 20, like, and it's usually, here's a catalog of crap to pick from that you don't really want. And mind you, somebody works for a company for five years. That's like not really that long, but in today's day and age, it's kind of a long time, right? That's 10,000 hours that they put in. If you just paid them an extra dollar per hour, that means that you should be giving them a $10,000 gift, right? How many times does a five-year employee get a $10,000 gift? pretty much 0.000001% of the time. I give nicer gifts to people that haven't even started working for me as interns than most people give to their 10-year employees. Why? Because I understand that showing up for somebody before they show up for me and honoring them before they come on means that they're respected, they're feeling energy, they feel buzz. And so a lot of times people in companies, like think about like some baseline benefits that cost companies billions of dollars, like health insurance and 401k matches. Like for a typical small company, even large, that costs 20 to $30,000 per employee to offer health insurance in the US anyway. Health insurance and 401k matches 20 to 30 grand. And nobody says thank you. Like those are table stakes, benefits and gifts. You don't even say thank you. It's just like expected. Whereas something like you send somebody a $500 welcome gift before they've even started and you send it to their home and you honor their spouse, you just spent one fortieth the amount, but you'll get 40 times the impact because people are like, I didn't even get this nice a gift when I worked 10 years for this other company and you're honoring me and loving me and respecting me enough to send this before I've even put in an hour of work. Well, how does that make that person feel? They're like, these guys get it. Because most people leave a company, what? Not just because of the pay. It usually pays number four. It's usually honor, respect, and appreciation. They don't feel like their manager gets them. And here's a way that you can put into a system of saying, hey, okay, most people feel unappreciated. How about we flip the script and we find reasons to appreciate them and we go out of our way, not because of a bonus, not because of a record year, not because of an anniversary. We call it planned randomness. It's a just because I was thinking of you just because you're on my team. And so that's how you can take something and do it at scale. Like a company with 10,000 employees could do this. You could also do it with 10. And so the timing matters just as much as what you're sending. So I say no, to put it easily in the book, we say no ABC gifting, no anniversaries, no birthdays, no Christmas. And really what that means is don't do it at transactional expected times. With your clients, you sign a million dollar deal, don't give them a gift. What does that feel like? Wow, I spent a million dollars and I get a bottle of Opus One for $500? Like, who cares? I just spent a million dollars with you. Whereas a gift shows up to that client or that center of influence or that referral source as a, just because I was thinking of you, I'm sending this. You know, for me with my wife, if I show up on Valentine's Day or her birthday or Christmas, do I earn brownie points? Hell no. Like those are table stakes. 
But if I show up for my wife on a random Tuesday in the middle of February and say, hey, honey, I got you booked for the four seasons for the entire day. I got the four girls, everything's taken care of. In her head, she's thinking, it's not Valentine's Day. It's not Christmas. It's not my birthday. You did this intentionally because you wanted to? Are you freaking kidding me? Do I earn brownie points there? Yes, a thousand times more. And that's where it's unusual. Like in our minds, the way God's wired us is if you do something for somebody, like that's why Robert Cialdini is beautiful at this. Like he's done all this research for 30 years on influence and persuasion. There's their study at Cornell where they would give a mint after a, you know, like after you were paying or, you know, the, with the, um, with the check at a restaurant, that mint costs a quarter of a penny. So they give you a mint unexpected. Hey, thanks for being with us tonight. The tips went up 16%, which doesn't sound like a lot, but compared to a quarter of a penny, it's in the thousands of a percent. So you put a dollar in and you get $2,000 back. It doesn't make any logical sense, but as a human, when somebody does something as a, as a surprise and delight, that's, you know, I didn't invent that. It's Ritz Carlton mindset. How do you take a relationship and surprise and delight them? You have to do things, not transactionally, not at expected obligatory times like birthdays and, hey, we're having a conference. Here's your swag bag. Does that feel like surprise and delight? Hell no. It feels like, oh, we got to give you some crap with our logo on it. Maybe a few of you will wear it. It'd be billboards for us. That doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel like connecting. It feels manipulative at best. And so, yes, those rules... Now, are there times to break them? Sure, but you're breaking them intentionally. And 99 out of 100 times, following the playbook, following the recipe, if you want to get the results, you have to follow the recipe. <laughs> Sorry, even at 7 a.m. here, Jason, I get a little fired up on this stuff because it's like, it's so simple, but it's so hard to consistently execute because it's so against the grain of what is normal in corporate America or even with small entrepreneurs of business. It just is against the grain in every way, shape, and form. So to talk about it's one thing, to actually follow it and do it for all of your relationships, man, it's, but it is magic because it's so unusual, you know, in the business space, even personally, it's hard to surprise and delight your spouse consistently because it's just easier to be like, wait for the holiday to come up and, you know, mail it in. Hey, here's some jewelry. Hey, here's some chocolate. Yeah. I just find it's almost to a point that it's hilarious that it's like, hey, guess what? Being a good human is actually going to be good business. And then we have to like, honestly, like I speak about a similar thing and it's like, okay, guys, guess what? If you care about people, you're going to be good in business. And what I love about what you're teaching is like, here's a methodology, which is like, how do you show care in a tangible way? And here's all the ways that it's like, yeah, if you're doing it with all of these alter motives and it taints the whole humanity of it, and it's like, guys, just just stick to being a human that cares and see what happens to your business. Like, trust the process. And I find that like our instant gratification, wanting to see the ROI on every single thing that we do, almost like taints the possibility that we can use these tools when you're so short-term focused. And like, it makes sense. Intuitively, it feels good. And it's like annoying that there, there's a part of me that's like, ah, everybody should get this. And I'm annoyed that people don't get this as strong. And I'm sure you probably have a similar passion where you're like, God, just do it. It's just about caring. And here you have a recipe on how you can do it 
So go out and do it. And like, let's just like, just for the sake of it, like you've had case studies, you've grown into being a top salespeople using all these methodologies. You're consulting businesses. Like what are some of the fun results you've seen just for people that are still skeptical that being a good human is a good business strategy? What are some of the cool things you've noticed while you applied a lot of your methodologies in businesses? Yeah. Well, I'll share two stories. One is personally and one is for a client. I mean, the way that we got connected, Cameron Harrell is... You know, I met him, like how many times do you meet pillars of the community or potential clients or referral sources? And a default is how much can I get from them and how do I get that deal closed? And so you do the typical dog and pony show. You take them either to dinner, rounds of golf ball game tickets or some sort of big experience. Lots of money spent on food and alcohol. That's actually, ironically enough, when I met Cameron, I was at a big EO event in Vegas and I found out he was coming to St. Louis to speak and I wanted to impress him. So I invited him to a Cavs game, lower level seats and to a steak dinner. And his response, typical Cameron style, he's not afraid to tell you, he's like, I don't know if I really want to go. And I think most people think that way, but they don't speak it, right? Like most people are like another dinner, another round of golf, another ball game, another whatever. And so intuitively I'm like, well, that's not going to work. So I'm like, Cameron, what are you going to do when you're in town? And he said, I'm going to go shopping. I'm from Canada. You know, I'm thinking, this is my angle. Where's your favorite place to shop? And he said, Brooks Brothers. There's not a ton of them in Canada. So on the spot, I'm like, hey, I'm a Jose Bank guy. You know, what's your shirt size? I want to send you a shirt. You can tell he's thinking, does this dude have a man crush on me? Like, who asked another man what their shirt size is within two minutes of meeting? But he told me. And so fast forward three months later, I told my business partner about this idea. And he's like, that's the dumbest idea ever. Don't do it. And so Cameron texts me the morning. He's supposed to be flying in, you know, to hang out. And... He's like, my flight's delayed. Do you just want to cancel? And like, he's trying to get out of this there in a ball game. You know, he didn't give two rips about it. And I said, no, Cameron, whenever you get in, like, it's fine. So long story short is I went to Brooks Brothers. I put down the Amex. I said, one of everything in your new fall collection. I want all your jackets, suits, belts, pants, shoes, everything. And it was $7,000 in clothes. And then we outfitted his Ritz Carlton room to look like a Brooks Brothers store. Suits here, belts, da, da, da. And my partner is like, dude, if this doesn't work, this is all coming out of your personal draw. Because this is nuts. He's going to think you're a stalker. This is dumb. Cameron flies in. You can tell he just wants to go to bed. I'm like, Cameron, go take a shower. Come down whenever you're ready. And he comes back down. And his eyes are like the size of silver dollars. He's like, dude, I don't know who you are, but I've already texted three different authors to change my story of the most radical you know, customer experience I've ever had. He said, whatever you want to talk about for as long as you want to talk about it, I'm all ears. Now, what's interesting about that is after that, I continued for about a decade to send in gifts, knife sets and leather goods and wine tools and whatever else. Invested about $25,000 in that relationship. They're like, dude, you had them at like, hello, like, why'd you do that? And I said, well, I want to continue to show them it wasn't transactional. I wasn't a one and done. I was showing up because I wanted to, not because I had to. But Cameron, you know, like he would get double booked for speaking. I was begging to speak for free. My first 10, 20, 30, 40, $50,000 speaking gigs whereas because Cameron sold them for me. He would tell the event planner, I can't do it, but you got to do John Ruler. And they'd be like, who the hell is John Ruler? No book, no nothing. And I did the people measure ROI. And I'm like, I like to measure ROR, return on relationship. That relationship has produced over 50X. Show me a Facebook campaign. Show me anything that you do in your business, marketing-wise, business operations, sales, where you can get 50X. And that's on the low end for Cameron. There's no other place other than humans. And so people talk about like, oh, I put a dollar in, I get $1.50 back from a Facebook ad. I'm like, that's fine. Well, how would you like to put a dollar in and get $25 back out or $10 back out or 50 or 100? I've had people that have used Giftology principles without our agency 
They're like, John, we just got a thousand X return. We invested a thousand dollars in this and we've got a million dollar relationship, but it took time. We followed your recipe. And so I had another guy who was in financial services who was coaching seven figure earners. And his response on the giftology side, when I met him at a mastermind, was like, John, that's cute, but I'm in private equity. This would never work. We're in too high end of a business. So I'm like, all right, we're going to play. So I start sending him gifts. And I found out what his wife's name is, Jan. So I sent a few knives, a few some leather goods. And John calls me six months later. He's like, hey, John, I met you at this event. I said, I remember you, John. He had this big smile on my face. He's like, yeah, I thought your old giftology thing was kind of cute. And he's like, I remember what you said. He's like, well, you start sending these gifts. And I just thought they were cool, but I forgot about them five minutes later. And then like about three months ago, my wife, Jan, we're getting ready to go to bed. And out of nowhere, Jan starts asking about John Bluen. I'm like, what is going on? I'm like, this is weird. She's never met John Bluen. Why is she asking about him? And then at lunch, a week later, and he's like, she's mentioned your name like eight times. He's like, I feel like I'm sleeping with your sales rep. We're like, what the hell's going on? I said, well, I said, I honored the people around you. It's an inner circle principle. And I said, that's what's going on. He's like, well, this work in financial services. I said, if you follow the recipe. So he fought me the whole way. I don't want to send the gifts. Can we just give them out at the event? He has this big conference with all seven figures, like 200 of them. And it was like a sub $500 gift for all these guys that are making seven figures. We sent them knives ahead of time. We made sure that they were personalized with the spouse's name, all these things that were really important part of the recipe. And he asked for referrals, which I didn't recommend, but he did anyway. And it's like, John, I would have been happy with a 5% increase in referrals because a typical client for us is we're six figures, life, lifetime value. He said, our referrals went up 111% over any year that we've ever done this. And the only thing we did different were your stupid gifts. And I started laughing. I said, I guess you're going to send a few more gifts, aren't you? And he said, I sure am. Now, why did that work? Those guys could go buy their own thing. It wasn't about the cost. It wasn't about the thing. It was about the delivery vehicle, that emotional connection where that person felt seen and understood and they saw how their spouse responded to it. It was the psychology of what happened. It wasn't the cost. People were like, that doesn't make any sense. I'm like, you're right. It doesn't make sense. But humans don't make logical decisions. We make emotional decisions and then we justify logically. And so what we're talking about here is how to create these moments. The cool thing with the physical, not just the experiential is every time they see that subconsciously, they're reminded of the relationship and what happened. And so that physical trigger creates a visual and that creates where somebody might think about you once a day for the next 15 years. Well, like that's why we don't do food. I don't want to give food and get one impression. I want to give something to somebody that they use for the next 10 years or 15 or 20 years, because now every day they're having that trigger. And that's where top, that's where referrals come from is you have to be like trusted and top of mind. You have to be the first thing that people think about when there's that thought of that company or that opportunity, whatever else, and almost inspire them to be looking for the opportunities to talk about you. There's a big difference between a loyal employee or a loyal client that's passively loyal where they're like stick around and collect the paycheck or they stick around and transact with you versus somebody who's actively loyal, which means they're recruiting their family and friends to come work for your company. That's active loyalty. They went from like to love to the company. When that client is talking about you at board meetings or talking about you on podcasts or talking like Cameron is an actively loyal relationship for me. One Cameron is worth a thousand passively loyal clients. Why? Because he's an unpaid sales rep for the brand. And when Cameron says five words to a board of directors or a client or an audience of 10,000 people, they listen. 
because there's no bias. Cameron's just this thought leader. In all the companies out there that I know of, whether you're in direct sales, whether you're in financial services, insurance, we all want people to speak well of us when we're not around and go out of their way to brag about us when we're on the golf course, at dinner, the meeting. But we're not taking the proactive, intentional steps to make that a reality consistently. We're rewarding actions, and that's not a gift. An incentive or a reward is not a gift. And so that's where people are like, well, John, I give great gifts. I'm like, you're giving them all at the wrong time in the wrong way, and you're not going to get the results because of that. Do you want actively loyal relationships? You want more referrals? You have to have an intentional process of not just rewarding the referrals, but inspiring the referrals to happen. And that doesn't tend to happen on accident. You know, there's, uh, there's something interesting, and this is going to sound left field, but like, you look at the tobacco industry, like having nicotine in your product gives you like this unfair advantage, makes tobacco companies quite valuable, quite successful because they're dealing with an addictive substance, which you need to control because that's, that's a pretty crazy thing to have. And one of the things I kept thinking about is like, huh, I wonder why gift giving is so regulated at the governmental level and at the lobbying level. It must be because it's highly effective. And so, <laughs> you know, it's... <laughs> That's a good point. I've never had anybody talk about that way. Right? So it's like, why is it that it's so illegal to give gifts and you have to report the gift and everything when it comes to dealing with political position and politicians? Because God damn it, you're right. It is an unfair advantage. And when you're in the business of building genuine connection, genuine relationships, like this is a long-term high ROI activity that most people are neglecting, but there's even proof in legislation on its effectiveness and so I find it's a shame, not only that we're not using it, because again, like Cameron, I know we keep picking on it. and everybody, you're going to need to go and check out Cameron because he's a good dude. But Like he was your direct PR person right now, just booking you on the show. And he's done this, I'm sure countless time. And the enthusiasm he had speaking about you just speaks to exactly what you're sharing about how clients, how employees, like, my God, you're trying to recruit more people into your organization, referrals from employees of other people they know of, but their high caliber is also going to be saw. It's like so many problems get solved when you have this kind of built into your DNA. And what I want to give as a reminder and a very strong incline for everybody paying attention to this podcast right now is we're going to put a link to Giftology. Grab a copy of this book because there's so many ways that you can apply this, follow the rules and bring that culture of just being a better human. And here's something I'm, I'm kind of curious about. I know the answer, but I'll cheekily ask you, John. It sounds like you have a horrible time wasting all your time thinking about these gifts and engineering this. It sounds like it's a very painful process. <laughs> I mean, if you talk to my daughters, like I asked my daughter who was 13 when she was four, I said, what do you think dad does for a living? You know, like you ask kids and like, you know, do they understand? And sometimes you're like blown away and other times you're like, they don't have a clue. And she's like, dad, you help people love on people. And I get paid to basically play Santa Claus year round for companies, right? I mean, that's what our team of giftologists does. Like we get paid to like, Hey, you know, nobody wants to be thought of as unthoughtful. Then like avoid these things. Don't give gift cards. That's basically like, Hey, you aren't worth the time, energy and effort. Go pick out your own and buy your own gifts. Hey, don't give alcohol. Why not? Well, there's a lot of ways that alcohol offends. And even if they love it, you get one impression from it. They'll give food. By the way, I mean, if, you're, if, if your group doesn't even want to go buy the book, the first step that they could do to just be in the top 5% of thoughtful gift givers is to avoid the top 10 gifts to avoid giving. And alcohol's on their foods, on their gift cards. If they want to go download the explanation and spreadsheet and get some of like our best thoughts, they don't even have to pay 99 cents or 
you know, 20 bucks for a book, they go to the giver's edge with an S, the giver's edge.com and download. And if they would just follow that, like the amount of companies are like, John, how did you know my entire playbook? Like we give golf balls, we give swag. And I'm like, everybody in business, whether you're in Bali or, you know, like Beverly Hills, everybody follows the same stupid playbook of like, hey, here's some Apple products with my logo on. Like, for whatever reason, people are sheep when it comes to this. And they just look around on what everybody else is doing to appreciate people. And they just do the same because they don't know what else to do. So if they just avoid the worst ones and just put a little bit of thought and intentionality, like this isn't rocket science. Like all the rules are out there. Very simple. The hard part is, is going against the grain of what everybody else says. Like even like, you know, now it's Christmas time. You'd assume like we're really busy. Like I, I schedule calls in December because we don't allow clients to send gifts to Christmas, which is like committing Harry Carey. It's committing suicide for most gifting companies because gifting companies make 99% of their money between Thanksgiving and Christmas. And we're telling people, we don't want your money. That's a weird thing to do, but it's like, cause we know as entrepreneurs, I want to get a real return for my clients. And that doesn't happen by following the world's rules. It happens by going against the grain and doing things differently. John, it's just been a fun conversation. I really love that you're bringing this forward. I definitely think you're the perfect guest to have on this show to share this for everybody that are tuning in. Some of the key things I've taken away is like, don't be so cheap and cookie cutter and not caring and trying to check the box when it comes to gift giving when it holds so much potential when you actually give a you know what like this is essentially it is like try to give and care for people and see how far that takes you and it doesn't need to be the most expensive give in the world you're talking about something that's just thoughtful and that actually came from the heart and to me that is like a secret sauce that is the most undervalued thing that somebody can do to nurture long-term relationships, build high value clients that keep doing business, but not going with the intent of doing that. Just be a good human and see what surprises can come along the way. I'm pretty sure you didn't expect Cameron to become a PR agent when you did the Brooks Brothers initiative. Yet here we are, you've made a friend in the process and it's been generating tons of business and a good ROI, but it's like giving without that expectation. And I'm hoping for everybody that tuned in, this becomes a fun thing for you to pick up, read about, apply in your marketing, see how you can use it and see what surprises come from you applying this into your business. I think you'd be finding yourself writing out some emails to John here about how it's actually changed you, changed your business and made a positive impact too. I don't let you go away, John, without the one question I ask all my guests that do come on the show, which is you are on the Selling with Love podcast. So what does Selling with Love mean to you? Well, I think that at least for me, I can only sell something that I believe works. And if I believe something works and is powerful, then that I care about the other person and want them to succeed. So it's really like selling early on with Petco. Like I believe the product was fantastic and phenomenal and somebody would have it for the rest of their life, like, and use it every day. And so to me, like love is caring about the other person and, you know, having good intentions behind what you're representing. And so to me, all of good selling is selling with love. Like it's the idea that like, of course you're going to be fired up and excited about what you're offering because you know, it's going to be beneficial. And yeah, obviously there's commissions or something that's in return, but it's a, a mutual win-win for you and whoever is buying the product. But in many cases, the person who's buying the product is getting even more than you are, which is a beautiful thing. So to me, all of selling has love baked into its very, you know, DNA. Good man, John. 
Thank you so much for your time, your wisdom, your your influence in the business world that's also affecting in the personal world as well. And uh, I will agree with you, Cutco knives are awesome. As I mentioned, my mom bought some, I think this like 20 years ago, and it's still the knife I go for whenever I go home. And then obviously I'm French Canadian, so I do love cheese. So if ever I'm going to cut myself a slice, I always grab the Cutco because it's a nice one. It's been just a fun, That's awesome fun, fun plug, but it's true, man. And honestly, it's amazing what you've done. It's great what you do for companies. Thank you so much. It was a joy speaking with you today. Thanks for having me, Jason. I am your host, Jason Mark Campbell, and this is the Selling with Love podcast. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.